0: Welcome to Baby Wearing and Breastfeeding, Nurturing Miracles, a podcast dedicated to the unique challenges and joys of parenting medically complex kids. Each week, we'll engage in discussions relevant to all parents navigating their children's illnesses. I'm your host, Megan Pa, a lactation consultant and mom to a medically complex child, here to share insights and support on this nurturing journey. everyone, welcome back to Baby Wearing and Breastfeeding Miracles, the podcast where we do a deep dive into everything baby wearing and breastfeeding, specifically tailored to our medically complex kids. I'm your host, Megan Pa, and I'm a lactation consultant and the mom to four, one of whom has a um, kidney condition and is medically complex. So I have taken all of the things that I'm very passionate about and brought them together to share all of those things in a podcast with you. Today, we have joining us Joanna McNeely, did I say your name right? McNeely. (laughs) Joanna McNeely, and she has been a babywearing educator for 18 years. And for the past 14 years, she has been the owner and operator of the Center for Babywearing Studies. So that is an organization that certifies um, other people that would like to be babywearing educators. And uh, she's also involved in helping to develop the safety standards for baby carriers. And she is also involved in helping the certification program for the implementation of baby wearing in NICUs. So really, really big things, really, really exciting things. And I'm thrilled to have you here today. Can you tell me like, how did all of this get started? Like what led you down your love for
1: baby wearing? Well, first thank you megan for having me on i really appreciate it uh what led me down this road well i had a baby (laughs) and which tends to help but who was uh very colicky had a lot of crying and was failure to thrive and turned out to have a heart issue and all of these things sort of compiled together with me going why won't he stop crying why is this happening How can I soothe him? And the only way that he was content is if I held him. Mm -hmm. And then very quickly, I was like, my stroller doesn't fit for New York. It doesn't work. And what do you do? And um, so I had six baby carriers by the time I was, my baby was six weeks old. And and I needed a carrier because I was traveling so that I could get, you know, be with my family, be with their um, get their support and be with my grandmother um before she was gonna you know, she was very ill. And and so that hunt for something that would stop the crying, make my life easier, mm-hmm. made me say, This needs to be easier for other people. This is It's why isn't anybody talking about these things? Why won't the doctors answer my questions? Why can't the nurses answer my questions? And, and so I found a baby wearing group at that particular time. It was barely any of those around. And, um, and so I got some help and, and then I realized somebody needs to do this. And so I started doing it. So it became,
0: it started off with you advocating for yourself. You found what worked, you advocated for yourself, and then you took it one step further and started advocating and supporting other women. I love that. That's amazing. And then, so then the the groups just grew. I am at like, baby wearing is so incredibly helpful. So naturally it grew and more people became interested in it. And then how did you go from growing this group of moms to creating the Center for Babywearing Studies?
1: Yeah, so that's a good question. I mean, so all these groups were forming, and, you know, here in New York, Bianca, who is my business partner, longtime business partner, um, who started the first babywearing group here in New York City, we realized that what people were really looking for was a little bit different than a group because not everybody could get off on Thursday at 10 a.m. and travel to one place, you know, one time a month, right? It just wasn't enough support at the time. Some people really needed it. And, and so she had an opportunity and started a store, a baby wearing store that sell, sold eventually over 50 different kinds of baby carriers. And, um, and I joined her in that. and And what I realized was is that if I taught 10 people, it was a lot faster than if I taught one um, at a time. So I started teaching classes and then I, I taught about 40 different baby wearing classes a month and plus doing, you know, consultations anytime somebody would walk in and then we needed more people. So, it, you know, kind of at the height of of the store, we had about 20 other employees who are allowed part-time and we wanted to make certain that if you were to come in on Monday and work with me and come in on Thursday, work with, you know, Tiffany or Kayuki or Bianca that you would get contradictory information. And, and so she's Bianca said to me, how are we going to do this? And so I created a training program for my staff and and through that process, you know, I learned a lot <laughs> as you may imagine. And then, uh, I, so I started really from there, and that's really the program that people kind of go through, is um, having a base understanding of you know how to how to listen, how to hear what people have to share with you, and then how to help them. Yeah, that's that's amazing. It's so cool to hear how
0: it grew, and it just makes sense the way that it all developed for you. So how does one, if they're interested, um, become a certified baby wearing educator? So if there, somebody wants to do that and they reach out to you um, to be a part of your course, can you tell us a little bit about the course? What does it entail? Um, how did they go to, from, from that to becoming certified? Yeah.
1: Okay. So the first thing I would say is make sure you kind of like working with people. Um, You know, it's not a given that people will like that, right? So um, make sure you like working with people that you enjoy, you know, babies and um multiple you know different caregivers right because that's a key component of it but then you know go on to the website which is cbws.org and you know check out the different options and i have several different options for baby wearing they will only continue to grow and and then decide where what do you imagine yourself doing with this work how will you support the The people in your community who have, you know, infants, whether they're, you know, caregiving, whether they're adopting, whether, you know, they're babies, whatever, however it is that you imagine yourself kind of incorporating baby wearing into the work that you do, or imagine how you might start it. And then, you know, if you want and need more input a couple times a year. I always do sort of basic information sessions. Come talk to me about what you're thinking. If you have questions, but you can always, you know, hit an email. There's a contact us and ask us any questions. We're there, you know, I want to say five days a week, but maybe six, um, six days a week. You can probably get some sort of response from us and, you know, ask away because there's a lot of information on the website. But of course, if, You know, if you need help getting pointed to the right direction, you, you know, ask away. If you need referrals to people who've taken the training and want to, you know, get some sort of feedback, like, is this something that's going to be worth my time and energy? Then great. We can either point you to that or we can, you know, point out where you can find our educators because certainly I've trained over 1600 people. So there's certainly a lot of them out there. And, um, and so I would say, start there, start with kind of understanding what you want from your journey, you know, who you want to serve and why, and how you could imagine, you know, baby wearing would be a part of what you want to do. And then consider where am I going? You know, which training is the right one for me to start with.
0: I love that. That makes a lot of sense. And I want to talk and mention about the applications, right? Because, you can come at it if you're a mom and you don't find a baby wearing group in your area and it's something that you need just like with what you did then starting one is a really impactful and beautiful adventure so mm-hmm. i love it's i i think of baby wearing groups the way that i think of like little leche league groups right so mm-hmm. we have a trained educator and they're they they've gone through a certification process and then it's a free mom's group and it's fantastic way to connect with the community to get out of your house and to meet other moms and you all get to talk about the things that you really are passionate about. You meet other women that have children around your children's age, so it's a connection, it's community building. But in addition to that, um, most of the baby women groups have, you know, lending libraries. So if you're not sure what you want, you can go and, and try think different things out and you can get help from the educator. You know, much in the same fashion that La Leche League groups work. Like if you need help, you go to the group, you meet other moms, you get feedback from your peers and from the educator. But beyond that, one of the one of the reasons why I approached you um, was not just because, you know, of Amphiba baby, because I also as work as a doula and I have for um, almost 12 years. And mm-hmm. so for a very long time, well before amphibi baby ever got started. Um, not only was I a baby wearing mom, but I was helping other moms, my doula clients, just wear their babies. So, because it's, it's just so beautiful. So, besides those two things, so besides if you want to be, um, if you are adding it on because you're a birth worker or you want to have a free mom's group, are there other applications where this could be a consulting business for you? Like, you, potentially, maybe you're only doing baby wearing consulting. So, what other what other applications are there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I see a lot of people. Kind of, I think that the way people are bringing baby wearing into their world is just so amazing. Because really, the the sky is what you can come up with. And so, what have I seen? I I've seen you know people who create a, a small education business around supporting you know people from a baby wearing point of view. And and I think it warrants saying. You know, sometimes people's views of baby wearing are very small, like I'm going to learn to put on a carrier, whereas my view of what the baby wearing educator is going to provide is significantly larger because they understand, you know, infant development. <laughs> Yeah, um, how infant development is What is infant development? Mm -hmm. How does it happen on the body? How does it happen within the carrier? What should you be looking for? How can you support an individual? Understanding your own, you know, your own point of view as aware and how things come up for you. So there's so much more that a baby wearing educator could provide rather than just here let me troubleshoot for you, which is what you're gonna get mostly in the, a group setting. Mm-hmm. In you know, uh, a, you know, playdate scenario would be yes, I'm gonna get that peer to peer support from from my peers, and I will get some, you know, some time with with the primary educator. But it's not meant to fill in every gap. Like it just can't. There isn't enough time. So what do I see other people doing other applications besides, um, you know, some people are bringing it into hospitals and into the NICUs, the OTs and PTs are already like, "Hmm, this is interesting and beginning to apply it. So, you know, I have sort of a, 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 like an on-ramp for them and then like where else we can go with that within the um, hospital and healthcare workers system. I see people within community organizations. So if you work in a community organization that already is serving families in your communities, then they're bringing in baby wearing education because of course they're already there. They're already working with these families and these families have only two hands and they have a lot to do through life. And so, um, I see that happening. I see people who create their own education business, as I said earlier, just about baby wearing. And so, um, looking at it from a, let's figure it out Let's get it right the very first time that you buy a carrier, not like the sixth time like I did. (laughs) Um, Let's do that from the get go. Two, let me help you when you're out hiking now with your two and a half year old, what are you going to do at that particular point? You know, here in New York, I cannot tell you how many strollers I see broken down in the subway and on the streets. And I always think like, (laughs) what did that family do? (laughs) They must have been struggling with all that stuff that was on the stroller. And um, so a lot, you know, just from a baby wearing point of view, lactation consultants, obviously Mm -hmm. there are a few who pick up baby wearing. Very busy um, industry to be a lactation consultant. So what I find is they maybe get some base information and mostly partner with um, a really skilled baby wearing consultant so that they can handle, you know, all the nuances that might happen within, you know, the caring relationship. And then um, a lot of chiropractors have taken the training and you know build into their practice a you know a great way to support the wearer's body as well as the the baby's body at the same time. I mean, I can just probably keep going. Um, you know, birth is birth doulas as you've talked about, postpartum doulas, um, newborn care specialists are bringing it in.
0: So almost my goodness. Like you said, the sky's the limit. The application really is. is so widespread. You guys, it is so widespread, which is amazing. Just listening. I mean, obviously I have, as I progressed in my career, I continued to bring it with me because it is just like the value of baby wearing cannot be, you know, overstated. So, um, I love that. I, I want to hone in on something that is near and dear to my heart and yours, which is baby wearing in the NICU. So I am a NICU mom and a baby-wearing NICU mom. And um, I think you said that you were as well. And the fact that you have implemented a certification program to get baby-wearing into hospitals, I cannot overstate how much I love that. And I want to hear more about it. So please, can you share with everybody um, the process that you, know, that you have gone through to get that started and what it looks like? <laughs> Certainly. Okay. Thank so, you. Like, i'm sure that's long so
1: (laughs) it was a long version (laughs) yeah um and yes i am a you know a NICU mom and and so thinking you know for me and my experience like goodness could have anybody could anybody have talked to me about baby wearing thank goodness i already knew about it and um and so when i was approached by uh lisa grisham from banner health and she had done research. One of the most downloaded papers were um, within the you know infant space in 2021, and around baby wearing in the NICU. And their biggest problem was how do we train 90 nurses on a revolving basis per diems, mm-hmm. and you know people come and go, and you know just how do we keep up with that? And and it was a cited concern within. In the paper like they were like how are we going to do this and so legal williams who's one of her co-researchers said you just got to talk to joanna this is what joanna does and, and it's true so from 2021 <laughs> flash forward to march 2023 before we finally got it going but so we did our first beta program in early 2023 we've done two now and Uh, they've gone really, really well. We learned a lot the first time, done the second one, and it'll go public public to the healthcare workers um, this year. And of course, the biggest hurdles are around hospital administration. And, you know, the program covers risk management and covers infection control, carrier tracking, you know, the learner's journey, you know, how do you do that on skills day? What do we need to do for mandatories uh, going forward? And you know, there's a cohort follow up. Uh, it's limited to just a couple of carriers that were not chosen by me, I will say. And uh, as a starter position, it's a living and breathing product. So if something changes, that we have immediate access so that um not just those who are training others, but even the, you know, the other nurses could log in and, and sort of learn that new content because that was really important to me that we have this living and breathing product, not anything that's static. Yeah. And and so that's the biggest hurdles though were around getting management buy-in. I but can believe did. that.
0: And I'm actually to be honest, I'm I'm gonna be a prep. I'm shocked how, like, I know it probably didn't seem fast to you, but for me, having worked in a hospital, <laughs> like, they move like a snail. So the fact that you were able to go from 2021 to 20, March 2023, believe it or not, I know it didn't feel like it, but that is still fast to me. Like, I'm, I'm impressed. Like, that's amazing. That's really good work. Um, I love that. So it's a, the program is living and breathing. So it's constantly updating to keep up with the, the new information. And um, you're training nurses on this in a rotating basis, which is awesome and amazing because, you know, they're going to need to come. They're going to need to re-up on their skills. Uh, New nurses are gonna need to continue to learn about it. So I love that. And, you know, I don't know if you know this, maybe I told you in an email, but you, you you and um, Lindsey Hookway, who does the breastfeeding with medically complex kids, I mentioned her to you. The two of you were the sole reason why I got myself up and into grad school. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm honored, thank you. Thank you for the motivation because you guys are doing such, beautiful frontier work in the spaces that are so important for mothers and we need more of that. So um, I think as one thing that I think that parents of medically complex children learn is to advocate for yourself and when there's something that you don't know or there's something that's not there, you pave the way. So. hopefully one day we'll be paving the way with you and it's all all thanks to you and all the good work that you're doing. Um, So could you I kind of want to hear like um, like a a specific personal story and personal example. So do you follow up with any of the uh, NIPU parents that are baby wearing um,
1: and see how they're doing months later? Well, it's the- interesting that you asked that. So within this new hospital program, right, I don't have access to the parents. So, yeah. but I do follow up with the, you know, it's not just nurses, it's nurses, um, NIDCAP nurses, mm-hmm. uh, and then we have OTs and PTs, you know, in there as well. So, um, I do follow up with them. I have a cohort follow-up actually tomorrow. And, um, and so that really helps me to get a sense of, you know, what are the families saying? What are they doing? But wow. within my personal work, right. Within my personal work outside of just that, that program, there have been many, 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 Many families I've worked with that had, um, you know, premature preterm infants, and certainly many that have been highly complex individuals, and I do follow up with several of those. One of my favorite stories, somewhere on my website though, is about um, a young mother who. Um, it's a very sad story, so I, you know, warn you there. But um, who it, my mother had been uh, septic, and was in the ICU. It was in Houston Medical System, and um, and so we were. You know, it was in a four-way pod, so it's a you know a one to two for a nurse, and in um, in came this really young man, and he was one of the four, and you know you can hear everything, and he'd been in a car accident on the way to his baby's birth. Mm-hmm. The mother shows up next day, right because she was giving birth. And she has the whole kit up, you know, the whole get up, a stroller, the car seat, and they wouldn't let her take it all into the NICU. I mean, into the ICU. ICU. yeah. And I get it. I get it. Right. But they were like, we can't do that. And so she comes in with this two day old baby and they were like, no, I'm sorry. You can't bring the baby in here. And so he's never seen his baby. She doesn't know if he's okay. and, let me just flash forward to, I finally went and bought her baby carrier and brought the baby carrier into the waiting room. And I felt like a stalker because <laughs> I was sort of like, I don't want to say, can I hold her baby? Because I actually knew like she was in too much anxiety that I couldn't take the baby from her. Like I couldn't offer, she would never let that happen. And so I told her a little bit about what I'm doing. This was like the second day, we, you know, third day, I think we'd been there. And that I would be more than happy to help her, you know, guide her to use it. And that I would guarantee with her coat, they'd never know the baby was in there and that she could go in there and see her husband. And we went into the bathroom and we got it all set up um, because she couldn't even use the bathroom. She couldn't get the stroller and everything into the bathroom. So I stayed. I said, I'll just stay right here at the door while you do that. And um, he he ended up okay, but it was a very, very long time. And um, she, for several years, would send pictures and um, send me little updates about the three of them. And unbeknownst to me um, at that particular time, but I later found out that her parents had passed away just a little over a year or so ago. And she only had her sister who was in college. And um, finishing up her finals and could not come home. And his family lives from a different country. And so it was really just them. And she, with that baby carrier, had a full-time job. And um, helped her husband through all of his recovery while still managing a home. I mean, I, she is like my biggest superwoman in the whole wide world. And, um, and I, I always think of her, I always think of her right around Thanksgiving because it was just after Thanksgiving, but you know, she sends me the best pictures, you know, they're absolutely amazing family. And the baby was, I think he was really small. It was like six pounds. Um, Bit, just a little over six pounds, but I wrote a blog about it because it was so impactful to me and it really helped me as I was grieving with my mother um, because they kept telling us, you know, your mom's like, so I can make it, your mom's like, mm-hmm. so I can make it. And, um, and it really helped me to have something else to focus on. And so someone else to focus on a little bit. And, and it's one of my favorite stories.
0: I love that story. God, talk about such like a big traumatic moment and then You know, as you know, like she's torn. What does she do? You can't, if you don't have anybody to help you watch the baby and you can't see your husband that you don't know what's going to happen to him, like Mm -hmm. you save the day, you know, and being able to baby wear saved the day. That's literally, you know, the epitome of being swooping in. And
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it, just so you know, it took the nurses two days to figure out the shit. <laughs> what was going on? What was mm-hmm. the noise inside the coat? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they were like, she can't be in here. And I was like, uh, it's already been there. <laughs> Actually, she's doing skin to skin care, so she's creating the antibodies for anything that they might encounter. So it was a really interesting experience because I mean, she was breastfeeding, you know, or attempting to. And the good news is, Texas Children's Hospital. So I walked over and said, "We need a lactation consultant over here," and um, and they came, and which was lovely. And um, but so she, you know, it gave us a really good opportunity for me to talk about why was baby rain going to be protective in this particular space mm-hmm. how her being able to see her husband and for her husband to hear the sounds of the baby and to hear his wife would also help and they absolutely agreed um they just said let's not let the doctors see it right. and you know it's fine it, it worked out and then you know the baby was not even a week old i mean so tiny tiny thing could not should not have been left alone and, and and then in time, she did have some friends and, you know, some other cousins or whatever well, that were Ava able to come. Them. But it, you know, took some time to get that support to swoop in to help them. But really, they didn't have as much support as we would have wanted them to have.
0: You know, Absolutely.
1: And my you know. goodness, if, you know, just think if we start, if you're
0: once, not if, because it will, but once your program takes off and it's in every hospital, how welcoming people will be for situations like that. So yes. literally you're paving the way to open the space. So I, I love that. What factors would you instruct parents to look into when they're trying to choose their first carrier? A voted question with a lot of variables.
1: <laughs> so many, so many questions, so many variables. Actually, and mm-hmm. and it is a good question. I mean, you know, the very first thing that I would say is start sooner than you think, because you know this is something you can actually learn to do while you're pregnant or while you're waiting for the baby. You don't even have to be pregnant, and uh, you know, so it's something you can actively work on and practice mm-hmm. and you know, y- you know, do beforehand. And so in that, you then have that opportunity to, to see different styles. Like what is, what does that feel like on my body? Because you're putting it onto your body. So you need to like, like it, mm-hmm. you know, there's something, some people will really, you know, like polyester and, you know, or, you know, modal style fabrics. And other people are like, no, I really need a hundred percent cotton, right? You're, you're touching you. You need to get an opportunity to sort of, ex- you know, play with that. I would tell them to get, you know, time in, you know, early enough so you can learn, hmm, when might I use this? Like, when is this carrier really going to shine for me? Um, how do I adjust it? What's it going to feel like with a newborn baby? Because that's when you're going to need it the most is in those very, very early stages. I mean, not that you don't need it later, but those moments, it's really high stakes. <laughs> baby yeah. cries, your cortisol skyrockets, and you're like, I just wanted to go to the bathroom. I just wanted to <laughs> you know, get tea. right? Um, and so learn how to use it right away and practice it. When you're looking for a carrier, you want it to be comfortable for you. Uh, you're the one doing the carrying. It's a, it, The carrier's job is to facilitate holding you and the baby. So it's your item. It's not a baby item. It's your item as the wearer. And um, so you want it to be comfortable. You want it to properly support the baby, you know, protect that sort of natural spinal development and you want it to, you know, support the baby's thumb hip development. So if it can go, you know, knee to knee and provide that early support, the nice thing about that is it's good for baby. It's good for the wearer. It spreads the weight out so it doesn't feel so heavy for you, Um, you know, particularly if you start soon, uh, it's, it's easier on your muscles cause baby don't weigh so much. And then as the baby quickly gains weight, your body has that opportunity to really get used to it, but you don't want to learn the ins and out of a baby carrier on your baby. Yeah. You want to do that with a bag of rice or whatever you have, um, stuffed animal and, um, and, you know, sit down and play with it and get used to it before you have the baby. Mm-hmm most people I know buy a carrier prenatally off of the registry and they don't take it out of the box until about four weeks after they've had the baby. And then, Mm -hmm. and then they're stressed to the high, high nines and then they can't figure it out. They give up and do something different in as simple as taking it out of the box, looking at it, playing with it. Um, you know, figuring out all the webbing and, or, you know, what do I do with this long piece of fabric work with a baby wearing educator? Because of course a baby wearing educator, the thing that I, I really think people don't understand is they're going to make it fun because Mm -hmm. it is fun. It's fun to get out and look at all of these different things and say, like, what do you see working in your life? It's like going to a shoe store and, uh, you know, And only looking at tennis shoes when you were planning to go to a wedding, right? You really want to get out and look at all the different shoes options that you have available to you. And if you do that prenatally and it's comfortable, comfortable for you, if it supports your baby's, you know, proper development, then I think you're good to go. (laughs) See, I draw so many parallels between
0: breastfeeding and baby wearing because Number one, um, absolutely. You always want to. You always want to do both prenatally because you want to get the information ahead of time to set you up for success. So you, you're not in the moment stressed, like you said, to the nines trying to figure it out. So that's the first correlation. The second, to me, is that you can go on. There's there are lots of you know YouTube videos by certified baby wearing educators that you could go on and watch. There's there are you know you could get information from um, you know. IBCLCs online from lactation consultants that are good, but both of these things are highly specialized and your body makes a difference. Your, so like for lactation, anatomy makes a difference. So your body makes a difference for baby wearing, your baby makes a difference for both. And so you're not going to get that kind of Highly specialized feedback, unless you're working one on one with somebody. So um, I think for for a lot of people who things are going well, it's fine. But if you might hit any speed bumps, then I absolutely I say like on both fronts. Like that's why I I love so much that there are baby wearing educators and consultants out there because it's one of those tools in your toolbox that is just too good not to use. So you want to be able to, if you hit a speed bump or a snag, have somebody that you can reach out to. So I just wanted to like piggyback on everything that you said to, um, so that our listeners could kind of get clarification on that because it's too good to miss. Could I, I want to also ask you, There are seem or there seem to be trends in baby wearing. (laughs) And um, that's something that I really didn't pay too much attention to until I I got a chance to learn from you. And then I find it really fascinating. So I was wondering if you could kind of share with everybody else what you've seen as far as the trends that are going on nowadays. And do you need to hop on a trend
1: (laughs) or at its core? You just do what works. Well, at the core, do it, do it works because the most important thing is, is that, you know, when you have a baby that you can navigate daily life, right? That that's really the thing, you know, of course, if somebody, you know, if one particular company is really, really popular at the moment, you will find lots of people advocating for that. But it wouldn't matter if that's a baby carrier, if it's a stroller, if it's a pair of, you know, all birds shoes, which are now not so cool anymore. Now it's Hoka, right? At this moment. So, uh, and if somebody's listening to this in a year from now, it won't be Hoka, it'll be something else, right? So you can see how this works. But the reality is, you know, There could be that these carriers that are on trend right now are really, really popular, but doesn't mean that they're going to work for you in your circumstances. You know, not everybody has the same body shape, um, obviously, and not everybody has the same level of flexibility, the same needs. You know, what's fast for me maybe wouldn't be fast for you. Something that is, quote unquote, easy to use for me might not be easy for someone else. You know, um, I remember a client who you know, had to go into the office, but would take the baby really close to where the office was. And so I was looking for a baby carrier that wouldn't really wrinkle his clothes so much there. Mm. Right. And, and that was a really interesting challenge for us to kind yeah. of navigate. Like what is, you know, what is that? I had an opera singer who, you know, was looking for a carrier that would allow for, you know, really good expansion around the torso again, another really interesting piece. And then I've also had everyday individuals who, um, you know, say I have a shoulder injury yes. or I have a lumbar injury, or I have mm-hmm. a hip injury, or I don't have the same, you know, hand strength. I have de Quervain's because I pick the baby up too many times. Yeah. Um, and, and each of those things really impacts how, which baby carrier or person's gonna really love and enjoy, and, and you want to love and enjoy it because it's a part of your everyday life, mm-hmm. and you wanna be really comfortable with it or with them because you may end up with a couple. But, but for the trends, I usually see that the trends are related to a particular brand that has like really knocked it out of the park with something on whatever social media um, platform that somebody particularly follows. And then when they come and then maybe I'll get a, you know, email that says, Hey, I want to try X, Y, and Z carriers. And I'm thinking, okay, okay. So this is a particular trend you're into right now. And then um, I let them try them on. And I would say, you know, 70% of the time they end up with a different brand um, because <laughs> they see exactly yeah. that like, oh yeah, this didn't fit my body very well or this is it something that I'm looking for. and And so trends, if that's, You know, important that you feel like, you know, you're a part of a community. You know, I'm sure there's other ways that you could be a part of a community without necessarily having to buy that specific carrier. Sometimes I see trends, though, in styles a carrier, yes. and 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 that one's always fascinating. Like for a really long time here in the United States, stretchy wraps were um, not particularly popular, and then boom, all of a sudden they became very popular again. And and as such, they are they're everywhere, and you get a lot of copycats. And because you mm-hmm. get a lot of copycats, you know, um, maybe you don't get the same kind of instruction level or support level that you would get from um some of the more mainstream or trending brands and so this might be a moment where i would say really be careful about where you buy the product mm-hmm. and making certain that it's a reputable company because certainly you know, a reputable company is going to be able to give you customer service that is actually targeted to you and help you with their specific carrier. And, and I see a lot of people who have carriers that are knockoffs of Mm -hmm. or similar to some sort of, you know, trendy brand, but lacking all of the support and proper education, even down to is that carrier tested? And does it come with instructions? So with trends, I would say, beware of, the knockoff and the follow alongs, so the copies.
0: That is really good advice. I'd want to share a um, personal story I have with that. So well before I got really into baby wearing, um, so like 12 years ago when I was wearing my first and I started wanting to get into the water and stuff, I just went online. I went online. Um, I found something like it was inexpensive. And, um, it wasn't associated with any brand that I recognized, but I was like, oh, <laughs> I, I didn't think about that. Right. And it ended up not being supportive at all. And even less so when we got into the water, which thankfully I had, you know, both hands, um, on, you know, on baby and didn't have like a baby and a toddler situation going. Um, but that is one of the, that is one of the potential risks that you run when you bit, get a knockoff brand. Is that brands that have been tested and approved by the ASTM? They are those companies have really done their homework on material. They've been, you know, they have had um, strength and durability tests, uh, all kinds of stuff. So they're they've got instruction manuals so people know the correct baby wearing practices. So a lot of a lot of standards are going are going into that that. Um, I think if you're listening, you know, you can find reasonably bright priced carriers and you can even find them secondhand, you know, instead of instead of going for the knockoff, you run a little bit of a risk there. And I have definitely learned that the hard way. So what role um, does community support play in baby wearing? Because we've talked a lot about um, having support like baby wearing, baby wearing groups. And getting you know your nurses involved, which is community support. To further that point, you know what what role specifically can can the community take in
1: furthering baby
0: wearing as a group?
1: Hmm, it's a great question. And you know what I would say what I would say is you what you see is what you do. Yeah. And so maybe the very best thing that could be done is to wear babies in the community cool. um, to be out there. If you're doing a, you know, like here, Mount Sinai, Queens, right here uh, where I am, they always have like a, a community fair and they're at every community fair. And, you know, so have baby wearing information there. Have a baby wearing check-in section or, or something. Partner with the local community organizations to, to provide that even if they don't. If you are, you know, a baby wearing educator, if you are a parent, ask them, say you know what kind of support do you have related to baby wearing from a community coming together and saying how can we make this happen this would be the same for putting you know breastfeeding information out there mm-hmm. if i see it if i see others doing it then in in my community i'm more likely to do it and it's something like 10 times i need to see something um, before um, I'm more likely to see it as something that's good. Um, one of my favorite ads I ever, ever saw was coming right out of the subway and I'm pointing right down the road. You can't <laughs> see me, but I'm pointing there. Right as I would come out of the subway was an ad for like Aetna or some sort of health yeah. insurance. And it was a grandparent couple and the the grandfather holding the baby in a baby carrier. But the ad had nothing to do with babies or baby you know, um, carrying. It had only to do with like this promoting their their insurance. But that's the kind of it's thing visible. that it's visible, it's there, you see it, it was well done and um it was a little even not stereotypical, so it even grabbed mm-hmm. your eye a little bit. That would be something that I think communities could do. If, um, you know, if I ran a baby group right now, um, I would definitely, um, you know, slap posters up anywhere that anybody would let me of like non-standard, um, eye catching sort of ideas. There was a really, really neat ad campaign for a company, which I cannot remember, but Bianca would, um, years ago where they would have like a ballerina who was maybe wearing or that a clown cool. who, was, yeah, oh, who was right and
0: marrying. that is definitely it's for marketing purposes guys something that's out of the ordinary that's going to catch yes. your eye so like when was the last time you saw a ballerina or a clown
1: baby wear so that's yeah. perfect yeah it was really Absolutely. neat it was really neat and and people would always stop to look at those posters so in the community that's what i would say um you know making it fun accessible out there get out there, do go to the events, yeah. you know, um, reach out to your politicians and say, how about you support me um, doing a monthly get help session? I mean, that's an area that I don't find many people really tap, but there's a lot of resources in your, in your mm-hmm. local tax base that would be able to support you going into other spaces um, to provide that kind of education. So I think that You know, starting that conversation with your, you know, very local congressperson or, you know, whatever, whatever they are, where Mm -hmm. you are. Um, I think that would be another thing that I would suggest.
0: You know, that makes me think, and I'm going to butcher this, but do you remember the congresswoman or the head of state? And I, again, because I don't remember what country it was in, but she was a female leader. So, woo, but she was baby wearing. Um, you know, at one of their um, God I'm having a brain fart, but you know what I mean. Like at one of their uh, policy meetings, and it was very globally publicized. And I just loved that so much because talk about getting community awareness, right? That's global community awareness. Um, some of the other things that I think of, and I, I love that you say tap into the policymakers. Um, in your, in your area, because I think, and I granted it's not ideal in every situation, but, you know, when you are, we're in a country where you have no, uh, leave, maternal leave, and you've got to go back to work. I think that there's got to be some areas and some spaces where you are doing that baby wearing. Um, that, that could very well be something that could one day be on the horizon. Um, obviously that's not gonna work in every workplace setting. That's no. that's obvious, but um it really potentially it could. For example, you're a daycare provider. Why can't you wear you know, you're you know, if you're working with young children, why can't you baby wear to work? So I'm sure there's other areas like that. Also kind of dialing it back, talking more about the community. Um, you you were mentioning like um events, right? So Locally, we have a group that supports women postpartum. So I'm in Virginia and we talk, this group is Postpartum Support Virginia. So it's for women that are experiencing perinatal um, mood and anxiety disorders. And um, they do events. And so baby wearing is really beneficial for bonding with your baby. And that's something that's women that are going through PMAD struggle with. So I think like if you have a group like that in your area, you know, marrying the two when they have public events is another really good way to raise awareness. I also think about the midwives that drive around, but they're really big (laughs) midwifery stickers on their cars. So even if you have nothing to do with baby wearing education, you could just slap a sticker on your car so everybody can see, you know, something funny like a ballerina baby wearing or clown. That's a good one. (laughs) <laughs> I really like that idea I and mean, maybe yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that one and put it on my van my, yeah my van. why not right yeah. I mean it was great so how do you stay updated on the most recent research for baby wearing and is there stuff that comes out all the time or is this something that you have a hand like you literally have your hands in it is there anybody else doing baby wearing research um in the, at the moment and um if families want to find it where do you suggest that they go
1: well wow. so part of the reason i have my hand in is is because i've created a lot of baby wearing protocols so that we could mm-hmm. have that sort of replication of baby wearing. i've worked with some of the researchers to sort of refine what they're doing And, um, and so I stay in email contact with them for the most part, which is not something everybody can do. Um, I'd say Google alert, Google alert for infant contact or infant carrying, um, as well as baby wearing, because there's, you know, other words for it. Um, and you know, Google academia, um, you know, a little search there, you know, follow my, um. You know, f- follow my blog and, and my newsletter. I always post about it when I hear about it there. Um, you know, follow, follow us on Instagram or something. Um, but Google Alert will definitely help you. <laughs> if you okay. just do that, it'll definitely um, keep it up. And then I think that, you know, in terms of the researchers getting a sense of who the names are that are out there doing research right now, mm-hmm. um, the thing is, of course, those people change, right? They move on. Um, but, uh, you know, when, when I think of like um, Aaron Mannon, who is doing biomechanical research, so understanding, mm-hmm. you know, what's happening in the body where um, research is, is really, really exciting uh, Emily Little from, um, now she has, um, uh, out in Oregon, she has a nonprofit and they do research, um, related to baby wearing. She, you know, shows around bonding and postpartum depression. Um, and then Leah Williams is like the, you know, one of the, you know, leading researchers too. And, and she's worked with Ann Bigelow and, Uh, there's just so many people. And I I think that, you know, when you think about baby wearing research right now, there is just a drop in the bucket for where it could go. I mean, Lisa Christian, who I I mentioned earlier, um, is definitely a powerhouse for research around baby wearing. And, um, and so I would absolutely just put a Google follow on her if that's what somebody is, you know, really interested in following because she's She's on the cutting edge of what we're gonna be seeing looking at baby wearing from you know like right here she's in the NICU um, looking at what's happening with babies, what the you know what baby wearing can offer us, and will be her research is gonna likely gonna be like foundational research that other people will build off of and um, so how do you stay on top of it you gotta you gotta be active about it. you have to really really want to know go to I go to a lot of conferences. I go to I'm always out there for over 10 years now. I go to academic conferences and I say, would you consider putting baby wearing in as an intervention? <laughs> what about adding baby wearing to your protocol? What might this do? What might this do? What might this do? You know, or how might we talk about baby wearing and what that might look like. So I think that that's a big part of it is, is you know, because I'm involved in, you know, I have that opportunity to be involved in um, in that academic space and really made the time and effort very early on to do that um, i think that helps for me to have sort of a connection to some people and then you know f- following i think google Alerts probably is the best way i said that like five times
0: no, I'm well, so that's good because when you repeat it, every all of us with mom brain, it'll finally stick. And so, yes, we'll remember. Yeah. So, thank you. I'm glad or you follow or
1: come and follow our blog because I always yeah. put it on our blog. Yeah, and
0: everybody, um, I'm gonna have you share w- where. Where on all the platforms people can find you when we're done, because you are just a powerhouse. People need to be following you. But you, you, um, I don't want to close the conversation without talking about your work with. Um, baby wearing and infants that have NAS, so neonatal abstinence syndrome, and that because as you mentioned, that is an intervention. Baby wearing is an intervention. Is it an alternative to some of the pre- prescription medication that those infants are given in the NICU to to cope with that? And so, can you um, explain to everybody what NAS is
1: and um, how baby wearing can help? Yeah, um, and thank you, because this is my passion, right? Like, baby money is my passion, and then, like, my sub-passion is a little bit NAS or N-O-S. So NAS would be, or NAS means neonatal abstinence syndrome, is what you just said, and it can mean I'm, uh, you know, withdrawing from any number of of things, nows which is neonatal opioid withdrawal mm-hmm. is on the rise, and, and I'm sure everybody understands why as soon as I say it. And um, and so as such, uh, like Lisa Grisham and Banner Health use the eat, sleep, console um, process, which is, you know, just a been around for literally for since the 60s. Um, just was gussied up and given a new name for the Eve sleep console. And um, the console part is so critical, which anybody who's ever had an infant understands that, but really when you are in withdrawal, it's like the piece that's needed the very, very most in some levels. And, uh, and so what does baby wearing offer? It offers a way to console like a continuous basis mm-hmm. without having to um use as many medications in order to sort of soothe some of the the difficulties that they have, the body tremors, the you know, there's a lot that goes on for them. And um and so what's interesting in the hospital is that you know you you have to take into consideration the other patients and the other families. And of course if a baby is really suffering and they're crying it out, then the stress levels of not just the staff, because of course the staff stress levels are going to go up. A baby cries, we're, you know, biologically designed to respond to that. And so even if we say to ourselves, it's not my baby, I don't have to care about it. Your body doesn't know that. Mm -hmm. And so you still increase your cortisol levels. So you're still stressed and other babies are also stressed. Staff's going to be stressed. And so how can we, without you know, extended stays and extended drugs, how do we reduce that? Well, Lisa found through her research that baby wearing is a consoling method. Um, in time, I think we'll find out does it shorten stays? Right now, we don't know that for sure because we don't have, you know, we just don't have enough time yet to do that. But I think in time, she'll explore some of those things, but it definitely is a stress reliever for all involved. Um, even if you don't know it's a stress reliever because you didn't have the stress because baby was so contented. But I think that, you know, if you don't know much about now's also, I have a blog post a little bit about it and I'm sure I'll write more about it in, in, in this year because, you know, I learned a lot. I went to a conference. I spoke at a conference last year called now is the time. And um, I learned a lot about my own um, understanding of, Of how opioids become an issue in our country, Mm -hmm. how, you know, people um, deal with it during their pregnancy, how babies react from it. And I really think that the more we know about it, the less stigma it will have. And so I think that it would be a good thing for people to continue to learn about it. And it's certainly Mm -hmm. one of the things I think I want to educate people on because I learned a lot. I took my daughter, just so you know, I took my 16-year-old daughter with me and um, she was able to hold, she toured the NICU. She's going to become a NICU nurse. And um, and she was able to follow and and to hold a baby who was in withdrawal, see baby, you know, get their Apgar scars, um scores right when they were born. And just got really invigorated by this really amazing crew um, in the NICU at um, Tucson, Tucson Banner Health. And, but she, her biggest takeaway was how, people stigmatize people who um, have um, opioid addiction. And, and so her takeaway, and she came back, she did a project at school uh, about how, how does that happen? You know, Mm -hmm. what is it that's happening in the body and, you know, all the research that's showing that, you know, it's a really, really small percentage of the people who take it and that we now could maybe be this close Um, and for those who are just listening, I just put my fingers together. So this close, um, to understanding we could do a, a screen, are you likely to have the markers for opioid um, addiction? So we're really, really close to being able to say, okay, you wouldn't be a good candidate for this particular painkiller. They're looking at anti-opioids as another alternative. So it's really interesting what is happening and, um, and within baby wearing and how it impacts the, the caregiver too, I Just one thing I think it would be really important to just sort of mention is, is that when they are in contact with their baby, when they have that opportunity to have extended contact with their baby, then their urges for um, the opioid are also reduced, right? And so when that's reduced, they have more of an opportunity to bond and connect, right? Their symptoms are eased as well. Mm -hmm. So it's not just things that impact, you know, the the baby or the staff or the other people, but also when, you know, when the parent is involved and has that opportunity to have somebody lovingly and kindly and without judgment to teach them to use their carrier, for them to to really reap the benefits too. So yeah, that's a was really a, beautiful, easy intervention.
0: That was a fantastic explanation Mm -hmm. of how it baby wearing impacts literally everybody involved positive Mm -hmm. benefits for the mom the baby the other babies in the nicu the other parents in the nicu the staff literally on if you're listening on every single level um i also really love what you said and i i want to say it again expand upon it that when we have Challenges like opioid addiction. It does nobody any good to put that into a closet and shut the door. Like you need to shine a light on it, and you know bring people in. And how can we help? How can we make it better? It it absolutely is a thing where the more we learn, the better we can do, the better help that we can serve the community. So in that area, and in many others, you know, don't turn away. Let's like shine a light and a preface that with a loving bite on everybody. Yeah. Yes. It's something where we want to raise everybody up and not knock, knock people down. So I, I love, I love everything that, that explanation and the story about your daughter and how she wants to be a NICU nurse. Oh my God. I can't wait to like hear more, you know, as she graduates high school and goes on. That's really exciting.
1: Yeah, it's right
0: around the corner. Uh. Um, I know. Good. <laughs> yeah, my so my oldest is a little bit younger than your daughter. He just started middle school, and the change, um, just literally a complete three hundred and sixty from elementary school to middle school, was not prepared. Just going to tell that to all it the parents is out amazing. there. Was not prepared. I want to ask, where do you see? What's the future? What's the future for Center for Baby? I know, right? If we all had a crystal ball, where do you? Where would
1: you like to see things go? Well, I mean, hmm, where would I like to see it go? Okay. I would like to see more people bringing baby wearing into the year they already work in, right? If you're already serving families and you're not talking about baby wearing, I'd really love to see people doing that. And so to that end, I want to facilitate that. Um, hence I created the, the hospital program. I have a pediatric um, program that's just sitting here waiting. Oh, and um, so I want to push more into spaces where parents already are, where babies already are, because I feel like that's that's you know, you need multiple touch points in a community for people talking about baby wearing. Um, I think that, you know, I would really love to grow the healthcare side of it. And then in, in that endeavor, I don't think I can do it all by myself. So I imagine adding, you know, other educators who could do some of that work for me. Um, Because I think it could be really helpful to have more people on the ground, people to go in and say, tighten here and, you know, bend forward for me and, you know, Mm -hmm. um, your hands going in the wrong direction, that kind of stuff. And then, uh, you know, this way I could focus more on what I'm, you know, not that I'm not good at that, but I, you know, other people could do it too. And then um, push, uh, push some researchers in some different directions. Cause there are areas that I see that we could explore but when there's not anybody out there sort of nurturing the um the researchers who are just coming out of school to saying hey what about this what about this and really giving them some good ideas and support along the way and and then i'd also you know when i think about when i think about baby wearing in general i'd like to see more I guess cultural inclusion in the sense of you know like there's just some amazing babies um you know cultures and communities around the world and like yeah. really trying to look in there and see like what can we learn and, um, and what can we import, so to speak, rather than mm-hmm. exporting, you know, continually sort of our Western views and say, so what can we, what could we learn and, and bring into ours and into our communities from that, you know, from CBWS standpoint, I, you know, I think that my whole world is related to baby brain and how it could, how it can serve people. So, um, I think I just really want to continue to expand that.
0: Yeah. I love it. I, I cannot wait (laughs) to continue to watch what you do. Um, You're just a powerhouse in the space. And so for anybody listening, you need to find Joanna, find Center for (laughs) Baby Bearing Studies on, you're on Instagram. On Instagram. are you on any other social media? I'm not, so I don't know. But are are you? Yeah, we're, so on
1: LinkedIn, LinkedIn. we're on LinkedIn, we're on Facebook. We okay. um, haven't done TikTok yet, but yeah. you know, maybe one day somebody wants to do that. But um, <laughs> and then, of course, the web. Awesome. And so,
0: to find you, it's not. Is it going to be under your name? I'm thinking it's under Center CBSW. CBWS. So. Yeah. It's okay. Or search for baby
1: brain studies. If you type that in there, you're going to find it. Um, You know, it for sure. If you put in my name, you're probably going to find it for, you know, almost what did we say, 18 years? I've been talking about baby brain now. So um, you're going to find me that way. And then. I think any one of my graduates, you'd be able to find. So if you see somebody um, out there talking about baby wearing, there's, you know, not obviously everybody, but a lot of those people will have been trained by me or one of my worldwide colleagues. So there are (laughs) people in the world who do this too. And, uh, but uh, yeah, you could easily find me. CBWS.
0: See, yes, everybody. Three more times. So it sticks in our mom brains. CBWS. CBWS. Um, org. Yeah. yeah, that's that's like I always um, when I'm doing lactation consults, I'm always say, saying things like three times <laughs> to try to get three. Me. It's a magic number, I think. Yeah, it's a magic <laughs> number. Thank you so much for coming on today. Um, you are a wealth of knowledge. I feel like there are probably 10 more topics that we didn't really explore. So maybe um, in the future. And if you are so willing and have the time between all the great things that you're doing, we'll do it again. But thank you so much for everybody listening. Um, I, I know, like I don't even have to hope, I know that you got something valuable out of this. Um, so you can, you can listen um, and also see us on YouTube, Amazon Music and Spotify. So um, I have yet to like really be aggressive about all the other streaming networks, but one day. So thank you again, and everybody, enjoy. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you. Thank you all for joining us on today's episode of Baby Wearing and Breastfeeding, Nurturing Miracles. I hope you found our discussion enlightening and that you leave feeling supported and empowered. Remember, you are not alone on this journey. Tune in next week for more insights and conversations that connect us all in the shared experience of parenting. Until then, take care and cherish every miracle with your little ones.